Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the latest preview episode of our Women of Influence podcast. In a few minutes, you'll hear a bit from CODA CEO Joanna Pinkerton, who chatted with me over Zoom a few weeks ago. She shared some recommendations for unwinding in this stressful time, including some reading recommendations that might help pass the time as we all navigate this new reopening phase of the coronavirus pandemic. But before we get to Joanna, I wanted to return to a topic first mentioned a few weeks back on this podcast, Mrs. America, the FX on Hulu miniseries focused on the women's movement. I've already suggested everyone watch this show because it's great, but I wanted to return to it because this week the show taught me, and I think many viewers, about something I'd literally never heard of, the 1977 National Women's Conference. I felt a bit ignorant watching the show and being totally unaware of this facet of history until I listened to a recap podcast hosted by a pretty liberal woman around my age who grew up in the Bay Area and also had no idea it had happened. If the event is a blank spot for you, too, I strongly recommend you watch the show to get caught up. But I'll share a couple of fast facts to whet your appetite. One, the event, held in November of 1977, brought together close to 22,000 people, including 2,000 delegates and between 15 and 20,000 observers. Two, The delegates discussed and voted on planks that represented how women felt the government should act in their interest. Three, speakers and attendees were bipartisan, including First Ladies Lady Bird Johnson, Betty Ford, and Rosalind Carter. Issues discussed included not just the Equal Rights Amendment, the center of the FX series, but also child abuse, employment opportunities, and the rights of women to have equal access to credit and insurance without facing discrimination. Four, of course, as Mrs. America depicts, the conference sparked a counter-conference organized by Phyllis Shafley, and the ERA itself ultimately failed in its quest for ratification. But that's getting ahead of things. Ground that we can expect to be covered in the series' final episode, airing next week. Before we hear from Joanna, I'll share a brief quote from the Declaration of American Women read by Maya Angelou at the event. We are here to move history forward. We are women from every state and territory in the nation. We are women of different ages, beliefs, and lifestyles. We are women of many economic, social, political, racial, ethnic, cultural, educational, and religious backgrounds. We are married, single, widowed, and divorced. We are mothers and daughters. We are sisters. We speak in varied accents and languages, but we share the common language and experience of American women who throughout our nation's life have been denied the opportunities, rights, privileges, and responsibilities accorded to men. That was a pretty cool thing to learn about. Now, on to Joanna. What do you do to unwind after a stressful day, which I'm sure you've had many of over the last two months? Am I allowed to sit past? It's kind of <laughs> um, I would say that's one area of my life I definitely need to improve. I love to run, not doing enough of it right now. I love to read. Nothing like a good book. I'm in the middle of four books right now. And my kids. I absolutely love my kids. Um, I have two teenage boys who I, I, I cannot believe how much I love them and how much they drive me crazy. At the same time. <laughs> so I love investing in them and the things that they're passionate about. So that's kind of my routine. I, um, I'm already ready for my Saturday morning run. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Hopefully the weather is finally nice for good now. So we can uh, yeah. all have a It's looking up. Yeah. Yeah. I think we a run this past Saturday on the river here in Columbus, uh, downtown. And it was amazing. It was still a little chilly, but just that little bit of sunshine. Mm -hmm. How many people were out and then trying to figure out how to run and social distance at the same time. 
it's like, wow, this is a lot harder than it used to be. <laughs> yes. It's the, uh, I would, we live right by the Olentangy Trail. And so it's been nice to have the trail and have access to that. But especially when there's a lot of bicycles out there, it can be a little tricky when you're walking because you've got to be moving for the bikes. And then uh, there's just a lot of high intensity, but I think we're all figuring it out. Yeah. What types of things do you read? Do you read mostly for pleasure? Are you reading a lot of business books or? Yeah, I try and alternate. So I said I'm in the middle of four books right now. I I love historical fiction. Uh, Read a lot of business books, but more, not so much on like business strategy, but more about emotional intelligence and and like what it takes to be optimal performer. I I think one of my most favorite books I've read ever, and it just happens to be recently, was uh, Questions Are the Answer. Um, I think it was Hal Gregerson, maybe, who wrote that book. And as I read it, I thought, this is me. I mean, I'm like writing in the margins, underlining things, um, because I have always questioned things. Mm-hmm. Always. And I remember from a very early age, my teachers in the Alpha program saying that that's what's, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to question everything. And then that led to a, a life of learning and design thinking around looking at problems and just assuming that there is a solution. And, and I find it I find it a little bit of a struggle, particularly nowadays. I feel like everything uh, is so commoditized that people are encouraged not to question. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they just do. So I like to read books like that. And then I, I bring them into work and I pass them out. So, you know, I might be talking to someone who's like, oh, I'm having this. I'm like, I got the book for you. Right. So mm-hmm. I have uh, my own little personal library here at work. And um, we're, we're also, you know, pre-COVID again the Columbus Metropolitan Library here in town um, had agreed to open up some library and e-reading stations here at CODA and our different facilities. Oh, cool. Um, Because I noticed most of our operators, so we've got about 800 of them. Um, I I try and talk to as many people as I can in a day, just get a pulse for um, what morale's like, what people are dealing with. And almost every one of our operators has a book in their hand Mm -hmm. or in their um, backpack because they have these long breaks in between shifts. So I think it's just a, a great way to reach people and open your mind. I miss, I certainly miss the library. I feel like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of what, what do you miss and don't you miss? And, but it's just hard when I want a book that I can't just go get it. So have you tried any of their new e-readers um, apps that you can download on your phone? No, I haven't. It's not the same, but it's, yeah. still, it's still worth it. I, um, I have one phone in my book, one phone in my car, uh, one phone by my, or I'm sorry, not phone, one what book. book. Yeah, one book on my phone, one book uh-huh. in my car, one book by my bed, and then I have another book that I carry around in my backpack. So no matter where uh-huh. I am, I can, I, even if I just get a couple pages in. Uh-huh. You're prepared. Yeah. I did the um, the book loft, just doing that mystery box of books. Uh, oh, I haven't heard so about this. Yeah, you pay them like 70 bucks, which is kind of a lot of money, but you get a lot of <laughs> books. Um, and you just put in the notes like the genres that you like and then they okay. send you a box of books so that's we pretty find, awesome yeah we've not gotten ours yet but I'm excited um, okay to see what's in there so because I'm sort of in between things right now but I downloaded an audiobook but I don't really have that many opportunities to listen to audiobooks since I'm not commuting and I still prefer just an old-fashioned paper book I yeah. really do 